available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome back, everybody, to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com network. And we are the Podcast of Champions, back talking Pac-12 football. You can find us on the web, Pac-12podcast.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, at Pac-12podcast, you can tweet us uh, stuff about the team you like, snarky things, whatever you want to do. You can email us if you have any questions, pac12podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we did move, you know, David Woods, we are back, but we did move from one podcasting hosting service to another one. Uh, we are now on Audio Boom, and there were some issues, I think, moving the iTunes feed over, but I believe it should be over. So if you have any problems with that, you can tweet us or let us know, but you should be able to get us on uh, iTunes now. We just moved everything over to Audio Boom. So I don't know if you've tried it, Dave, but I think it's working now. I haven't tried it, but I did get a tweet and I, I literally CC'd you on Twitter because yes. I, uh, I, I, I just work here. I just work here. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan runs this thing. I just, uh, wait, I, I just, how do I, on board. how do I end up running this thing? What is, what, where's, <laughs> by default, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> okay. Uh, but we're back because the season is starting. In fact, the season already started. Um, so I, I knew about this. I think maybe, I think I might have known about it like earlier in the summer, but I knew about this game about a day in advance that Cal was traveling to Australia to play Hawaii, uh, down under in Sydney last Friday. Did, did you get to watch this game at all? Uh, I did not, Dave. I was covering a high school football game. Um, so I was kind of getting updates on the, on the Twitter, which, uh, the kids are using these days, apparently, yeah. um, to follow things where they're not there, but I'm in the same boat as you, which is funny. I was like, am I really that bad that I didn't even know that Cal was playing in Australia, but it f- makes me feel better that you were kind of in the same boat. Yeah, no, it was incredible. I was, I, I was like, ah, man, it's still a week away and just kind of offhand. I was checking things around and I saw, wait, is this a real game? Is this not an exhibition? And it's a real game. Um, so I stayed up to watch that thing, uh, every bloody second of it. Was it, was it, it played like during like the morning hours in Australia? Is that what they had to do? Or do you know? No, what? no, no. So Australia, because of the, the way the, the, the prime meridian works or whatever, it was actually noon their time. Okay. So it was yeah. kind of late here, noon there. So not right. too bad. Just the, the different day. Just a different day entirely. It was yeah. Saturday at like noon. And here it was, you know, seven. But anyway, I mean, Cal, so, so this was a, 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 let's just, let's just say it. It was a really bad football game. <laughs> really just not, not, not a good football game. But at the same time, it was great. It was just great to have college football back. Um, Cal beat Hawaii 51 31. Um, it wasn't really in doubt after the first quarter. Um, Cal, you know, ran off 17 straight points in the second quarter. But it wasn't really expected to be much of a game. Um, so Cal winning by 20 was pretty much ho-hum. Uh, there were some worrying signs for the Bears. Um, 
the, the defense is not very good. I think you can say that pretty definitively at this point. It might get better, but at this point, giving up 31 points to Hawaii, uh, it's not very good. Um, offensive line, not bad. I wouldn't say it's great. Seemed kind of average. Wasn't generating a consistent push against that Hawaii D. Um, protected okay, but could have been a little bit better. Davis Webb settled down after the first quarter or so, but he, he was getting a little bit of happy feet at the beginning because they were coming after him pretty good. Um, but uh, I, I think the big takeaway from this game is that Hawaii is just as bad as ever. I think that's probably going to be my big takeaway from it. Well, last year we saw Colorado uh, lose to Hawaii on the road. At least Cal did not yeah. do that. Um, but just, you know, I, I want to go back and watch and hopefully we get some kind of uh, one of those 30 minute deals on Pac 12 network, which I should be getting soon because of the frontier. No. F- really? Fios. Yeah. The Fios frontier thing. It used to be Verizon. What's we're hearing. I, I don't know. Maybe I have already have it. I just don't know, but I haven't, haven't seen it yet on my television, but I have a chance to watch the Pac 12 network on my own TV here in Hermosa Beach, California. But, uh, I wanted, I would like to watch the 30 minute version of it, but everything, you know, I talked to, uh, uh, our buddy Kyle, uh, who's the Pac 12 blogger, um, for ESPN, um, saw him at the beach over the weekend. He was talking to him about it a little bit. He's like, yeah, he's just, you know, Cal's defense, hot garbage. Uh, Davis Webb looked pretty, he thought Davis Webb looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a little shot at Colorado, unfortunately, who thought they had him, uh, the, yeah. the quarterback transfer locked up from Texas Tech. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll see it. it that was kind of the theme last year with the, the offense being good and the defense not being so good. Sounds like from what you got, the, you know, you and, and Kyle and other people I've talked to that that's going to be the continuing trend this year. Yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be stunned. I mean, there's, it's, it's, you know, you throw out a lot because they're traveling however many thousands of miles away to go to this game and the whole deal and playing on a Friday or a Saturday in Australia a week before everybody else plays. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but it was, uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a spectacular showing. I think Davis Webb gives you some room for optimism if you're a Cal fan, but I think that defense, uh, maybe gives you a little bit of, uh, brake pumping. So I'm, what I'm saying is, Ryan, I think they're 11 and 1, not 12 and 0 this year. So it's interesting, you know, replacing a, you know, legendary quarterback. We've seen Oregon have to do that and they did the, you know, two years in a row now be the, you know, through the transfer. Um, Cal kind of doing the same thing. I don't know. I mean, it might, it might work out pretty well for the Bears. It sounds like that he's, you know, he's going to be able to come in and probably won't have the same kind of learning curve you had with, uh, with a younger guy. So interesting what Sonny Dykes is doing up there. But I, this is a team I think that, you know, even with the defense being bad and giving up a bunch of points to Hawaii, when they get rolling on offense and you always got skill guys that, you know, put in the NFL, and they could put a scare into some Pac-12 teams, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. I don't think they're like, I, I, I don't think they're Oregon State this year. Um, sorry, Beavers. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. This is the Pac-12. We're going to talk about them eventually. Yeah, I know. We're going to talk about them in like two games. And I'm really <laughs> sorry, guys. I didn't mean it. I love you. Um, but they're not, they're not a really bad team this year. I think they're just, I, I think they're going to be one of those teams on the other side of the bubble this year. Um, you know, the Pac-12, I think, is so competitive that there's always going to have to be those three or four teams that are, you know, trickling in under 500. I think just looking at Cal's schedule, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before, but looking at their schedule, looking at the people they've lost, um, I, I it's hard to come up with the six wins they'll need um, to get bowl eligible. Um, but there, there are some pieces to like, you know, Davis Webb, You've got to like the way he played. Um, they're kind of their new number one receiver, Hanson. He looked pretty good. 
Um, their running game looked, you know, better than it has in the past. I, you know, I, we're going to have to see about their offensive line, but the running game looked okay. Um, but I, I think that defense is definitely something to worry about. You know what we should really worry about though? What? Um, me not being on top of my game and not. Oh no. Oh no. Pac 12 roundup. So missed that. Wow. Missed the opportunity to do that. And of course, well, who are we talking about? You know, um, we were talking about a team. California Golden Bears. I mean, how, did people even know what we were doing? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Did they even have any idea? <laughs> I don't know how they could have. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, we should almost just scrap the podcast and start again. Look, but, we're ironing out some kinks, everyone. Yeah. You know, this is this is still the preseason. Despite Cal and Hawaii playing, this is still the preseason. We're still we're still working on some stuff, you know? We are. We're not even into game prep yet. No. And I, I don't know if um there's a lot of talk in, in Los Angeles, Dave, as you know, with the, the Rams. So we're yeah. hearing a lot of Jared Goff talk. So we get to see a lot of kind of Jared Goff and uh maybe a bit of a surprise that he's not gonna be, you know, the starting quarterback. Uh, you know, Case Keenum's look good, another former uh you know, Pac twelve yeah. quarterback um from Oregon State looking pretty good. Uh yeah. What, you know, I, I don't know. It's interesting to see what God, I, I like the fact when you're able to bring a, a rookie like that along a little slower. Uh, but I kind of thought he'd come in just because it's LA and, and get the start right away, but I guess that's not happening. Well, I thought they would give it to him. I didn't think, uh, I, I mean, so here's my stance on golf. I, I don't think he should have been the first pick in the draft. I think that was probably an overdraft. Um, good college quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Very good college quarterback. I just don't know if he's got that you know, can't miss Andrew Luck feel to him. I mean, he's he's a good college quarterback who might be good in the NFL or he might not. I don't think he's a can't-miss guy. So I think spending that many and however many draft picks they traded to get him, I thought that was a little bit insane. And then to not start the guy. After you do all of that, to not start the guy is, uh, well, that's just Rams football for you. Uh, <laughs> Sean, uh, uh, Sean Mannion, it was a Sorry, that was the player I just totally blanked on his name, but the, he's, he's looked really good in the preseason. So he's, he's the kind of guy that you would probably want as your backup quarterback, um, at this point. So, uh, you know, hats off to Sean Mannion, the former Beaver. Give him some love because he's done well. Yeah. Yeah. Mannion, uh, you know, always played in that pro style system at Oregon State. So that probably helped him. All right. Should we move on to the games we're previewing? Yeah. Um, so which, uh, what order do we want to go into? Do we want to, do oh, like, I think I think in the order they are played. In the order they are played. Okay. So who is up first? We've got uh Thursday at five PM Eastern or five PM Pacific, sorry. On the Pac twelve network, Southern Utah playing Utah. We have the sound effect for them. Utah Utes. So we've really got to iron out these kinks. Because yes. I think you need to list the schedule because you have control of the sound effect. I do. I, I yeah. will pull that up right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. Uh, so Southern Utah playing Utah. There is actually no line on this game yet, um, and I don't think there will be because it's expected to be a bloodbath. Um, we've got Brian Swinney from the Scout Utah site uh, with a little bit of a blurb on uh, on Utah. Brian says, the Utes come out of fall camp in a great spot with all of their position battles settled, including the most important one at quarterback. Former Washington signal caller Troy Williams wins the job and looks poised to be Utah's most talented and consistent quarterback since Brian Johnson back in Utah's magical 2008 season. 
Despite the loss of Devontae Booker, the running game could actually be improved behind the dynamic duo of Joe Williams and Troy McCormick. They'll be bolstered by an offensive line that should be one of the top three or four groups in the conference. On defense, the line is stacked. It's full of talent and depth with All-American candidate Lowell Lotulele leading the way inside. The linebackers are still a bit of a question mark, but arguably the top line in the conference, if not the country, and elite secondary that returns four starters, Utah's defense should again be their trademark. All of the pieces are there for the Utes to grab their first Pac-12 South crown as they open the season at home against Southern Utah on Thursday night in what should be a romp. Thank you, Brian, for that. Um, I, I kind of feel like this is another season where everyone is sleeping on Utah for no particular reason, and then they're going to be in it till the very end. Where do you stand? I, I, I agree with you. And uh, when we did the media poll, I picked, I wasn't sure for the South. I picked UCLA first. I picked USC second and Utah third. Um, if I was asked today, I might even switch that around and have Utah going first. I, I think all, all three of those teams are the potential to win, but the line play for Utah is great. And, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Troy Williams, uh, former Husky quarterback is now going to be the starting quarterback for the Utes. And I used to follow him. I mean, covering him in high school at Narbonne High School when he was a true freshman coming out there and playing big, strong kid. Probably didn't fit that well in Chris Peterson's system where he's more of a gunslinger. And I think he will do a good job, uh, for Utah. I don't know if you got to go see any of his games, Dave, uh, being out here, but he was always fun to watch. I'm really curious to see what he does this year. Yeah. He was a lot of fun to watch. We were actually really on UCLA to recruit him and they just got on him too late. And, uh, Washington had already made a bunch of, uh, made up, uh, had obviously, um, gotten him to roll and roll early. Um, but, I thought he was a guy UCLA should have recruited. Um, obviously, it didn't work for him at Washington, but the reports on him out of Utah have been great so far, um, that he's really stepped up as a leader, um, gives them probably more talent at that quarterback position than they've had in a while. You know, all apologies to Travis Wilson. I think he eked out every little bit he could out of his talent. Um, but Troy Williams, I think he's got the arm, he's got the athleticism um, to be a to be a, a really solid Pac-12 quarterback. Um, and it's just a question of, you know, whether, whether he can put it all together, um, in games. But, you know, Utah's obviously got to replace the playmaking of Britton Covey, uh, cause he went on his mission. But, um, there's a lot to like about that team. And I think it's, like you said, starts in the lines. Um, they're going to just, they're going to murder Southern Utah. I mean, it's not <laughs> going to be fun. Um, I think Southern Utah's probably going to score like 10 points. Utah's probably going to score like 45. It's not going to be that close though. It's going to be a five touchdown game that doesn't feel that way. Um, but it's going to be a, a nice start to the season for the Utes. And, you know, I, I really do. I'm, I'm kind of with you. Um, I picked, I think I picked USC, Utah, UCLA in that order when I was originally picking, um, back in July. But then you hear everything throughout fall camps and all that kind of stuff. And now I would probably go Utah and then USC, UCLA essentially, uh, you know, 2A and 2B. But, um, I think the Utes, they've got real potential to be a, a very, very, very solid South team this year. And I don't think the South is as good as it was last year. So that'll uh, give them some cheaper wins, too, against maybe the Arizona schools. And they're, you know, they're one of many teams replacing uh, quarterbacks in the Pac-12. It's kind of unusual. Usually have a lot of guys coming back. This is a year where a lot of teams are figuring out somebody new, um, replacing someone that's been around for a while. And uh, I, I'm going to be curious to watch what this Utah team is able to do um, because it's, it's, it's been close. It's like on the cusp 
but have you broken through and won the Pac-12? And, uh, you know, last year, I think they had a really, you know, good shot. And then they, they go into the Coliseum against USC and just get steamrolled. Um, that wasn't their best performance. I mean, they're, they're going to get USC at home on six days rest after playing Stanford. I mean, I think you got to win some of those key games in the South and you, it's certainly winnable against USC. Can they beat UCLA? You beat those two teams. You're likely going to win the South. And that would be a big move for Kyle Whittingham where it's not just like, Hey, we're good. We're in the top 25, but we're not going to make the championship game. This is the year. I think they have a really good shot at breaking through that little ceiling there and, and getting to that championship game. And that's, I think that's kind of, then you're fully integrated into the conference. I think they've certainly made their mark. Um, you know, obviously way better than, than Colorado, but breaking through and getting a chance to win the Pac-12 championship would be the next step. Wait, you're, you're leaving me in suspense here. Are, are you picking them to beat Southern Utah? Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Good. Good. Yeah, that's all I cared about. <laughs> We're taking this one week at a time, one game at a time, Ryan. I'm not here to talk about the Pac-12 championship. Right now. All right. Sorry. All right. One game at a time. Were you ready for the next game? I'm ready for the next game at a time. Oregon State Beavers. The Oregon State Beavers are traveling to Minnesota on Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific. They're going to be playing this on the Big Ten Network, which I think is available a little bit more than the uh, Pac-12 Network. Um, Minnesota is currently favored by 13 in this game, which I, I'm I'm interested to see uh, why. Um, this is going to be very interesting. Uh, Angie Machado, who has moved over to Scout, um, is uh, runs our Oregon State site, and she has a little bit of a blurb about Oregon State for us to read. So Oregon State kicks off the season on Thursday night when they travel to Minnesota to take on the Gophers. There will be many new faces both on the field and on the sideline for the Beavers after their 2-10 and season. Second-year head coach Gary Anderson had to replace defensive coordinator Kalani Sataki and linebacker coach Ilaisa Kuiaki. Wow. Um, after the Good two job. left for BYU. I tried. I tried, and that's all you can say. Uh, Kevin Clune has come in and brought a new intensity on defense and is looking to turn around a defense that was one of the statistically worst in the country. Anderson has looked to equal out the number of coaches on offense and defense by taking on the defensive line coaching duties himself and by bringing in former NFL cornerback Corey Hall to coach corners for the Beavers. The Beavers will employ a 3-4 base defense this season and will look to utilize motion and blitzing packages. The defensive line is anchored by three 300-pound tackles, Ilu Aiden, Noki Tago, and Kalani Vaka Meyilalo, who will all figure into the rotation. You're reading this next time. On <laughs> offense, the Beavers have a new quarterback in Utah State transfer, Daryl Garrettson. He was recruited at Utah State by current Beaver offensive coordinator quarterback coach Kevin McGiven, so he is very familiar with the system. After a few position changes last season, Ryan Nall is the starter heading into the season at running back. He's a big, punishing back with deceptive speed. The Beavers also have Tim Cook and true freshman Artavis Prince, who will, Pierce, who will see carries as well as receiver running back Paul Lucas, who brings sprinter speed to the position. Wide receiver may be one of the most experienced areas on the team, with senior Victor Bolden and junior Jordan Villeman leading the way. The Beavers also have former quarterback turned receiver Seth Collins, who is taking reps to the first team on Saturday. He is an electric athlete who has learned the receiver position relatively quickly this offseason. All right, so it sounds like skill positions, um, maybe a, maybe a slight uptick there. Um, you know, senior Victor Bolden, um, you know, Bolden and Villeman have always been a nice tandem. Adding Collins, who's got that elite speed to the group, 
should be helpful. Um, I liked what I saw out of Ryan Nall last year at running back. Um, you know, him as an every down back might be interesting. Um, it's going to be, going to be an interesting year. I, I just, it's, it's tough to see them making a huge leap this year. Um, going on the road to Minnesota, I, I can't imagine that's an easy way to open the season. Um, they could shock everybody, but I'm actually, I'd pick Minnesota to cover this one. I think they'll, they'll probably, you know, probably something like 42 21 would be my score. Nice. Couple, so a couple of things before we get into this. Um, I, just so people know, I asked Dave to do most of the readings this week because last week, well, our first time back and I started jumping into some of these and I was the same thing. I think it was the Oregon State one and some of the Polynesian names for the linemen. I was just like, whoa, I, I should, <laughs> I didn't even like think about it beforehand. And I thought you got, you know, you made it sound like you knew what you were saying. I don't, uh, I don't think I did. I don't think I did. I didn't convince <laughs> myself. And that's, uh, and that's really where it begins. And it's tough. And then also the spreads. So we did a good job. I think when we started keeping track of our picks, uh, yeah. last year with the spread. So that I got to get back into that mentality again, because I think we made some people money. I think we uh, did. I think we did. I think year. you might have made people a little bit more money than I did. But it, I thought we did pretty good overall. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're kind of getting back in the swing of things. And so with a spread on this one, okay. So what the, for the Utah game, did we know oh, there's no line in that one? Okay. No so we line. Don't know. No line. So we both just said they'll kill him. This one is a 12, 14 points. What did you say? 13. 13 comes all around it. Um, I have a hard time picturing this team, uh, going on the road and Minnesota's like, you know, they're, they're a big, I think this is just the kind of team that will handle an Oregon state team fairly well. Like they're not going to handle a team that's got talent all over the place and speed to burn and stuff like that. And then Oregon state's definitely got some skill guys. I think you can do it. You know, Nall's great too. You know, he can, he could just punish you, but I just think this is going to be a growing pain for Oregon state. So I will take uh Minnesota to cover this one as well. Sure. But Oregon state's going to get a couple of wins this year. I'm, I'm, I'm betting on it. I think so. Um, I think they can. It'll be that, you know, the, the big matchup with Colorado, of course, is going to be what the entire Pac-12 wants to see. Which hey, one there's, there's a vulnerable Cal team. There's, That's there's, true. There's potential there. There's potential there. But Keep we'll your see. hopes up, Beavs. Yes. Keep your hopes up. All right. Well, we're, we're kind of at the bottom end of the conference and I guess we'll, we'll, we'll stay down there with our, our next game. Yeah. Colorado Buffaloes. All right, moving on to Friday, September 2nd at 5 p.m. Pacific on ESPN. Colorado State going at Colorado. Actually, going at Denver Sports Authority Field. Anyway, uh, Colorado's favored by eight. You've got a blurb from Munster Tiger, do you not? I do. Uh, so buffstampede.com, Adam Munster Tiger, who moved over from uh, Rivals a couple months ago, I guess it was now, or a month ago. I don't know. It's recently, he's now part of the uh, Scout Network. Definitely does the best job on the interwebs of covering the buffs. And uh, so he wrote in, he said, Colorado lost one of its top playmakers when Juwan Winfrey went down with a torn ACL last week. So that's, that's not good news in camp. You don't want no. to see something like that. Uh, blue chip JC signee proved during summer and early during camp to be a nice compliment to Shea Fields in the buffs receiving core. Justin uh, Bryce Bobo had a strong preseason. Now he's expected to start at the X receiver spot with Winfrey being gone. Bobo's always had the talent to be a Pac-12 starter, but he struggled to stay focused in the past. So kind of a little mix-up there on the receiver core for Colorado. So the shift has taken place from two years ago when Colorado's offense were performing well, but the Buffs' defense couldn't stop anyone. 
They finished 116th in the nation in scoring defense in 2014. Now, 20 months after DC coordinator, uh, defensive coordinator Jim Levitt's arrival, Colorado defense appears to be the team's strength. The defensive line is more talented and deeper than it has been since the last time the Buffs played in a bowl game. Depth at linebacker and in the secondary, not ideal. So Colorado cannot afford too many injuries in either of those areas. So watch linebacker, watch the secondary. Uh, overall, aside from Winfrey's injury, it's been a relatively quiet camp for Colorado. Mike McIntyre has been uh, much less salty with the media. Well, good for you, Adam. Uh, this <laughs> preseason than it has been in the past. Uh, there's quiet confidence with the coaching staff, but until the Buffalo start winning some conference games, there will understandably be more doubters out there than believers. And I don't think that's a bad thing. If it's a quiet camp, of course, you know, you don't want to see a guy like Winfrey go down. Uh, but you know, a quiet camp, maybe it gives them a little opportunity here to, to build some momentum early in the season. You don't get one of those crappy losses like they had last year yeah. against Hawaii, but I, I don't think that's a bad thing for the Buffs. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. And, you know, open the season against Colorado State. I mean, Colorado State's not a horrible team, no. but they're not great. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're anything special. And, um, I think this could be a, a nice start to the season for Colorado. I, I think they should be expected to win this one. I mean, they're favored by eight, which is, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of points for Colorado to be favored by. Let's just be, let's just be frank about that. But I think they can cover. I mean, I, I haven't been, I wasn't super impressed with Colorado State last year. They were a bowl team. I think they went seven and six or something like that, but, um, I wasn't super impressed with them. Um, so I, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens at quarterback, you know, whether, whether Cepho can regain some of the, uh, some of the, uh, you know, magic he had as a, as a second year guy. But, um, I'm going to take the buffs in this one, probably like something like 31 21. Nice. Um, I'm going to just this is play, play friendly here. I do think because McIntyre has kind of softened his stance and is being nicer to the media, I'm going to pick the buffs. Uh, I think it'll be even more. I think it's going to be like a two touchdown game, like a uh, 34 20 sort of thing. So I'll, I'll take Colorado to cover uh, against the rival Colorado State, which I love. I love the out of the box rivalry games. Something like that. Yeah. In-state ones. Those are fun. Like when they play, you know, play early. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, it's great. Um, and you know what I'm, uh, what, what I really like is all this early season stuff where you actually get Pac-12 teams. You get two on Thursday, two on Friday. I mean, it's just stuff to watch all, all week. It's it, great. It's going to be great. And I'm like, so I'm traveling to, uh, US, I'm going to drive to Dallas because USC plays Alabama. And, uh, it's such a great weekend. It's one of those things where, yeah, I've never been to Jerry's world and that's going to be fun, but I'd almost rather just stay home because you're traveling. It's going to be hard to watch, you know, a yeah. lot of the games and doing events. It's just like, if you're home, you could watch so many games. There'd be so much going on and it's great. I mean, you know, we, in the media, we love, and we love covering games. We don't do this because, you know, we hate it. Um, but it does, you do lose something when you miss out on a bunch of other ones because of travel and all the stuff you have to do. Well, uh, why aren't you jumping on the um, uscfootball.com jet? Go go into the UCLA Texas A&M game first, oh. and then hopping in the jet and quickly flying up to Dallas for uh for for USC. I, That's I mean, the way to go. Yeah, if we had a jet, I would definitely do that. I I really want to go. To Is it Ca just the uscfootball.com prop plane? Like, what are we talking here? Uh, you know those little like uh, balsa wood planes that with a rubber yeah. band. Yeah, uh -huh. basically one of those. Yeah, like um, an ultralight. <laughs> but, uh, no, I would love to go to Kyle Field and see 
Um, that, but you know, Texas and Notre, you know, Notre Dame, there's so many, there's three great games going on in the state of Texas, Notre Dame, UCLA, USC and yeah. UCLA all playing, but I've never been to Kyle Field. That would be a, that's a kind of a bucket list sort of thing. I'd love to go see a game there. Yeah. It'd be fun. Uh, but that's the, uh, that's the buffs. Who we got next? We have next up is Stanford Cardinal. All right, Ferd kicks off the season Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports 1. Kansas State going to Stanford, taking on the number eight Cardinal. Stanford favored by 15. Woo. That's a lot of points. Them's a lot of points. I don't think we got anything from our man RJ, did we? We did not. Our, our buddy RJ is busy uh, tweeting about Dodgers baseball. So uh, Yeah, RJ. so, yeah, good luck with that. Because you know, like, everyone likes reading tweets about baseball. Everybody. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. All right. So Stanford's favorite by 15 points. You know, we talked last or two weeks ago and we were like, Oh, it's going to be color Chris as the starting quarterback. Not so much. Not so much. Looks like, uh, I, I think it's senior Ryan Burns. Is that his name? I believe so. I believe you're yeah. right. Senior Ryan Burns has been named the starting quarterback. Kind of. I don't know if it was completely out of nowhere. I don't think. Stanford opens up their practices, um, but it it wasn't expected. I mean, certainly not in spring was it expected that Chris would uh, once again be the backup this year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because, um, you know, the first selection of the David Shaw era, if everybody remembers, was actually Josh Nunez. Um, and then within about four games in 2012, I think it was, Kevin Hogan took over and then didn't relinquish the starting job his entire remaining career at Stanford. It'll be interesting to see if Shaw's made the right choice here, um, whether Burns makes the most sense or if it should be, you know, Chris. Um, it's certainly going to be interesting how how that works. I mean, valuing kind of experience over maybe the higher-touted guy. Um, of course, Stanford has so much going for it at other positions, Christian McCaffrey, obviously, but always on both lines, the continuity there. Um, at linebacker in the secondary, um, that, you know, there's, there's room, there's margin for error. Um, I think a little bit more than with other teams on selecting a quarterback, but, um, very interesting choice. Um, but they, I mean, what did you think of this when this got announced? Yeah, no, I think it's a more conservative approach and I think it goes along with the David Shaw philosophy, um, where you see other programs trying to get the quick fix and, Bring someone in that's been established and you're going to start someone that's been in your program. And I, I think that shows that you trust your own player development, that by the time a player gets to be a, you know, junior, retro junior or senior and they hadn't played or started, you know, played much or started yet. Um, he was still in your program and you feel like, okay, this is the, the direction we want to go. It's just he was waiting his turn. He's up next. It doesn't matter if he's a senior or junior or what. We don't need to necessarily go with the younger guy. We can go with the established guy. Um, so I, I like, you know, I like it. We'll see, you know, maybe he ends up changing like a Nunez sort of situation all over again. Um, but yeah, I think that's just the Stanford approach. And I think you hit the nail on the head where do you really need the, the quarterback to be the most dynamic guy and, and to throw for 350 yards or whatever? No, I mean, there's so many other dudes around you. You rely on the line play. You rely on the defense. You rely on the running game. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a Stanford type of decision, but. Also, like you said, it could change, you know, three weeks, four weeks down the road. Uh, but that seems to be the direction David Shaw likes to go, at least to start. And if that doesn't work, you can adjust your thinking at that point. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it, it's going to be, 
I mean, he said that both guys are going to play, which, I mean, I guess if you've got a, a redshirt sophomore other guy, why not play him? I mean, it's not like you're saving him for something. Um, but it's it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, Chris was kind of used weirdly the last couple of years as almost an option quarterback, which yeah. I wouldn't. Which I really wouldn't describe Keller Christ as, um, but you know, like crazy David Shaw. Um, but so anyway, they open with Kansas State. I don't think this is going to be a particularly good Kansas State team. Um, they kind of they kind of hit the wall pretty hard last year, and uh, they're not. I don't think they're expected to be any great shakes this year. Um, but it's I, you know, I don't have a good I don't have a good enough feel for Stanford without Kevin Hogan, without you know some of their line guys that they lost. 15 points seems like a lot for Stanford in an opener, um, especially against a good team. You know, this is kind of, you know, as we saw last year against Northwestern, this is, you know, the time when we don't really know what we're going to get with Stanford. So I like the Cardinal to win. I don't know if I like him by 15. I think I'd go something like 30, let's go 30 to 23. That's what I'm going with. Nice. Something odd. I like Stanford. that. I'm a, I'm pretty much in the same boat that, you know, we we saw what Stanford did out of the gate, and then I think it took six quarters. Uh, was it like Central Florida their second game or something? And then they were pretty terrible in the first half. Uh, it was one of those directional Florida schools, and then they ended up from the second half of that game on, pretty much for the rest of the season. Yep, played lights out, and uh, so I'm gonna go with the the slow start Stanford Cardinal again before they get things going. I did pick them to win the North and win the and win the whole thing. Um, you know, they're the best shot I think the Pac-12 has at a playoff team. So I will do the same thing. I'm going to take Kansas State to cover. Um, don't know score-wise. Let's see. Let's go with something like 35 to, to 28. All right. All right. Who's up next? Okay. Next up, we have Washington Huskies. <laughs> All right, kicking off Saturday football at 11 a.m. Pacific. We've got Rutgers going to number 14, Washington. Pac-12 Network, the first game, I think, on the Pac-12 Network this season. Um, in Seattle, Washington is favored by 26 points. A little piece of trivia for everyone. What, just I, I don't have the trivia. I want you to look it up. Yes. When was the last time Washington was in a game with another Power Five opponent where they were favored by 26 points or more? That's a good question. I leave that with you. Find out. Um, do we have uh, Do we have anything? I think we do. I think we do. I think I've got something from uh, Chris Fetters yes. uh, talking about Washington. So I'm going to read that off. You ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. QB Jake Browning, second year as a starter. Big expectations. There's a backup battle between KJ Carter Samuels and Tony Rodriguez, even though Carter Samuels had a start last year. Um, at running back, Miles Gaskin, kind of the same thing as Browning, second year as a starter. Uh, Levon Coleman is solidly in as the backup. Uh, true freshman Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant could play. We both like Sean McGrew a lot in high school, so um, yeah. it would be interesting to see him play. Uh, at wide receiver, John Ross the third is back, trying to replace the production loss due to Jay Dion Mickens' graduation. KJ Young, an Oklahoma transfer by way of Riverside Community College, is promising, but will take some time to get him acclimated. Dante Pettis, Braden Linius, Andre Baselia, and True Frosh Aaron Fuller are some other expected contributors. At tight end, Daryl Daniels is trying to be the senior leader after Josh Perkins' graduation. There's a loaded tight end room with Drew Sample and David Ajamu expected to feature as well. 
Uh, quarterback Jeff Lindquist moved to tight end during the spring, and defensive lineman Will Disley did as well, and they've had good camps. Uh, on the offensive line, when Coleman Shelton starts at center versus Rutgers, he will have started at every position, I'm assuming on the offensive line, during his UW career. How cool would it be if he's an offensive lineman who started at, like, wide receiver at some point in his oh, career? Oh, i got to try that. You can set him that'd be great. Yeah. be great. And he's only a junior. Uh, two seniors at both guard spots, Jake Eldrin Camp and Shane Brostek, while two sophomores at tackles, Trey, Adam, Trey Adams and Caleb McGarry. So they've got some experience um, at the guards, at least. Arguably, though, they have the two most talented tackles in the league in Adams and McGarry. Um, I think there's some teams that might have some objections to that statement. <laughs> uh, on the defensive line, if Elijah Qualls, Vita Vea, and Greg Gaines play together, it would be a front of almost a 1,000 pounds. Qualls moved to defensive end during spring and has flourished. Others expected to feature in hockey-style shifts are Jalen Johnson, Shane Bowman, and Damian Turpin. At linebacker, they lost backup inside linebacker Sean Constantine for months with a broken ankle. He was playing behind Azeem Victor, who anchors the spine of the linebacker, linebacker core with Keyshawn Bierra, Ben Burr-Curvin, and DJ Beavers. All will back up. On the outside, UW is trying to replace departed seniors Corey Littleton and Travis Feeney with two more seniors, Saul Ching and Joe Mathis. Mathis is a converted defensive end. Sophomore Tavis Bar- Bartlett and junior Connor O'Brien are backing them up right now, but redshirt frosh Benning Patoaye could feature soon once he masters the playbook. You could also see true freshman Brandon Wellington and Camilo Eifler play a bunch at some point later in the season. They've come prepared to play. At DB, this is the best, best DB unit in the conference, hands down. Please hold your Snickers, USC fans. Some have them as the best in the country, certainly a top three unit at worst. At worst, uh, preseason All-American pick Buda Baker at one safety, JoJo McIntosh at the other. McIntosh is taking over for graduate Brian Clay. Trevor Walker and Brandon Beaver will back them up and both have multiple starts under their belts. UW has three big-time cornerbacks in Kevin King, Sidney Jones, and Darren Gardenhire, but sophomore Jordan Miller might end up being better than all of them. And there's Brandon Lewis, Austin Joyner, and true freshman Byron Murphy, Isaiah Gilchrist, and Kentrell Love. This group is beyond talented. Special teams, Cameron Van Winkle is an experienced senior place kicker, one of the best in the conference. Tristan Vizcaino will punt this year, replacing graduate Corey Durkee. Return teams are solid with the return of John Ross. Can take it to the house at any time. Chico McClatcher and Buda Baker could also feature here. On punt returns, the same can be said for Dante Pettis. Already has three punt return touchdowns in his career and led the Pac-12 in punt returns with a 17-yard average last year. All right. Thank you, Chris, for the extensive update on the Huskies. I think they're going 12 and 0 based on this. Man. What do you, what do you say, Ryan? Yeah. Uh, no, I, a lot of talent and uh, a lot of talent in that secondary. Um, did, I was, I just really been impressed with what they've been able to do defensively. Uh, last year being the top defense in the conference, despite losing those four guys in the first 44 picks or whatever it was in the NFL draft. I'm, I'm a believer in this Washington. Defense and the, the offense definitely got better as the year went on. Um, and we saw that, but that, you know, to be favored by was it 26 points in this game? 26 uh, whole points. Yeah. I, I think I counted seven times they didn't score 26 points last year. Um, wow. You had some time to do some research while I was reading, didn't you? Well, yeah. That was a long thing. So I just looked through the schedule from last year yeah. and, uh, 
So that's tough. I mean, I, I think that it'll be better. I mean, I think they're going to, you know, Gaskin going into your second year, you expect kind of big things from him. I'd love to be able to see me some Sean McGrew because I think he'd be fun to watch in uh, college football. But, you know, Jake Browning, a lot of talent, you know, we, and we all like him. We, we think he's going to do some good things. Will this be like a super dynamic offense where you're able to, I, I, I still know. I think 26 points is a lot. The Rutgers is not good. Uh, I saw them. I think they came out to play Fresno State a couple years ago. We saw that, and and Fresno State beat them. So I, you, can, I, you can say it. Rutgers is trash. They're trash. Uh, it's, it's, We're not the Rutgers podcast. It's New Jersey trash. You know, it's only just <laughs> yeah. trash. It's, it's like trash floating in a river. <laughs> Newark. Um, <laughs> so I'm kind of torn on this one. I just think that's a lot of points. I think I'm going to take. I think Washington wins handily, but I'm not going to do it by 26. So I'll say it's something more of the lines of like a, you know, a 38 to. 20 kind of thing. I feel like we're going to get some angry Husky fans because, I mean, we can't help but pump the brakes on this hype train because it, it just, it's crazy. It's almost like the way USC gets hyped every year. I mean, it's just out of control. You like that? Like I snuck that in there? Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, that was little, good. Little um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, uh, 26 points is a lot. Rutgers is really bad, but 26 points is a lot of points. Um, and I, I I'm still, I'm not completely sold on Washington's offense. I know they had a good finish to the season. They scored, I think, 44-plus in the last three games. But it was against Oregon State, Washington State, and Southern Miss. None of those teams had good defenses. I, I mean, I'm not saying Rutgers has a good defense, but, you know, I, I think Jake Browning is – I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be above-average quarterback. But, I mean, has his arm strength improved? I mean, because that was probably his biggest issue last year, and that's probably the hardest thing for a quarterback to improve, just his general physical arm strength. Um, and he's got, he has, I would say, probably a slightly below average strength arm. I mean, he makes good decisions. He, 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 uh, you know, he, he can, he can make things happen, but, um, you know, that's a limiting factor for him. But, all right. So I'm going to go, I'm going to say 31 10. Washington. 3110. Okay. So we're both kind of on the same boat here where Washington wins handily, but not going to cover the 26. You know, it's one of those things where it's the first game of the season. What, you know, could Rutgers go out there and just be completely overwhelmed? And why, like, I think if Washington wins by 26, they'll probably win by like 36 or 40. You know, like if it's going to be that big of a blowout, they'll just really, really blow them out. So uh, it certainly can happen. But I just kind of get the feeling, just 26 is a lot. I just think there's a lot of ways where it would not be, it'd be a good win for Washington, but not a 26-point win. For sure. All right, who's up next? The next team on our schedule is UCLA Bruins. All right, the Bruins are going to Kyle Field, as we talked about earlier. They will play at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time on CBS, um, playing Texas A&M on the road. A&M is favored by three. Um, this is an interesting game. UCLA, number 16 team in the country. They are uh, ranked behind Washington and Stanford. Uh, they're the third Pac-12 team ranked. Um, there's a lot to like about UCLA as, uh, you know, they've been picked to win the South by the Pac-12 media. Um, there's Josh Rosen returning, the sophomore quarterback, who's, you know, earning all kinds of preseason accolades from guys like Kirk Herbstreet, who says he's the best pure passer in the country. Um, the running back core, even without Paul Perkins, there's a lot to like about the talent among those guys. Um, 
probably the biggest issue on offense, and it's a big, big issue, is the offensive line. Um, the tackles, I think they're probably in that conversation along with the Washington tackles for the best in the league. Connor McDermott uh, has made some preseason All-American lists, and uh, the right tackle, Colton Miller, is one of those names, kind of like McDermott, uh, that I think everyone will know, or a lot of people will know. You, you never really know the names of offensive linemen. Scratch that whole thing. <laughs> people who judge offensive linemen will know his name by the end of the year. Um, he's, uh, he's a very, very talented kid. Also 6'8 and uh, agile, kind of like McDermott. Um, and he'll man the right side. So at tackle, they're fine, but the interior of the line is an issue, and there is precisely zero depth. So if there are any injuries, uh, the the effectiveness of the line could drop precipitously. Um, on the defensive side, they're switching to a 4-3 from a 3-4, um, and that should shore up the run, game, run defense a little bit. Um, should also help the pass rush a little bit. Um, there's still the question of how aggressive UCLA is going to be last year. They really didn't blitz much at all. Um, and pretty passive defense that allowed teams like Colorado to run up like 110 plays on them. So, uh, there are some, some, some things to worry about, but there's also a lot of talent. Uh, the secondary has got a lot of talent. The linebackers have a lot of talent and the defensive line, uh, Takaris McKinley is one of those guys who's going to be a, or Takaris McKinley. I should probably pronounce his name right, uh, is uh, one of those guys who's going to be a household name by the end of the year. He should put up nine or ten sacks this year at defensive end. Um, and then on offense, I should be, would be remiss not to say that they are moving to a pro-style scheme away from the spread favored by Noel Mazzoni, who is the former offensive coordinator and is now at Texas A&M. So UCLA will face its former offensive coordinator in this game which could provide some interesting wrinkles. Um, have you ever had that with any USC thing where they've had to face, you know, one of their coaches in the first game of the year? Uh, well, on Saturday, they'll face Lane Kiffin to be the yeah. offensive coordinator. So, yeah, yeah. I was, I was bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's going to be interesting. I, uh, I think I like UCLA to win just because of all the turmoil around AM. That seems like a program that is poised to just implode. Um, at any point. And, um, you know, I, I like Mazzoni, but his playbook is, uh, is a single sheet of paper, um, double spaced, uh, <laughs> in size 24 font. So I, I don't know that there's a whole lot. I think UCLA can really, really hone in on what Texas A&M is going to try to do offensively. Um, and I think Josh Rosen is, is good enough that he should be able to, uh, deal with uh the AM defense. You know, they've got Miles Garrett and Deshaun Hall, but if you run right at them, uh those two aren't any great shakes at run defense. So um I like UCLA to win outright, probably by like three, thirty one twenty eight. Give me that. All right. Um yeah, no, I, I'm in the same boat with you as far as the pick goes. If you look at it, I mean this is the team that the media picked to win the Pac twelve South facing on the road, but a really mediocre, you know, middle of the road SEC team that lost its two best quarterbacks. There was a lot of turmoil going on. The coach is on the hot seat. And you're getting points on the road. So I, I would definitely take the points in this. Um I I think UCLA will win outright as well. Um but you know this is this is one of those things where it's it's important for the conference. You know, we talk about the beginning of the year. This is one of those really important games uh for the conference. A, a loss here by the Bruins and it's a, it's a notch down really for the entire Pac-12 because this is supposed to be one of the elite teams in the conference with the returning quarterback that's a stud that's you know going to play in the NFL someday and you're playing a, a team in disarray you can't go out and lose on the road so we we've seen some Pac-12 kind of stumbles early on uh you know Stanford last year it just it's it, it happens 
So I know, and you know, USC fans are like, no, I always want to. I mean, this is if you like the conference, you don't want to see UCLA lose this game. You want to see the the conference get a win, especially against the SEC. It's just one of those things that's going to come up for the rest of the year when the playoff talk comes. It would say Stanford's trying to get in and they barely beat a UCLA or something. And, you know, it, it, there's a lot of talk like that. So I think this is one of those really pivotal, pivotally important games, uh, for the conference. I do think UCLA is going to go on the road and win. Um, I don't know. We'll see how A&M, A&M ends up doing all year. Really important one for Jim Moore, in my opinion, and I think they'll get it done. Uh, probably like a 24-21 sort of game is what I'm picturing. Okay, we're in the same kind of boat. Um, but no pressure, UCLA. After all that, that Ryan sorry, put on I didn't mean it. No, well, no, no, no pressure, guys. Do, do what you got to bring do. one out. You got to bring one home for the conference. You know, that's what. That, that's, all right, that's what it's Who, about. Who's up next? All right, next we have Oregon Ducks. <laughs> All right, Saturday at 2 p.m. Pacific, kind of in between um, the big UCLA game at A&M and then the uh, the big USC game at 5 p.m. You've got Oregon at 2 p.m. going against UC Davis. Uh, Oregon is ranked 24th in the country. This will be on the Pac-12 network. As with the Utah game, there is no line on this one, and I do not expect one. Um, Oregon should be picked to kill the, what are the Davis? Are they Aggies? I think they're the Aggies, yeah. Or they're yeah. the Anteaters. No, Anteaters no, are UCI. Yeah, this is the uh, Aggies. And you got to go to the grad if you ever go to UC Davis. That's a great on camp. I think it's on campus or it's just off campus bar there. It was, uh, good stuff if you ever go to, if you're, if you're going to this game, Dave, I don't know if you are. I'm not. And it, well, it's not played at, at UC It's Davis. actually in Eugene. So dang. Yeah. If you're, if you're going to Davis to watch this game on TV, go to the grad. Go to the grad. It's a good, it's All a right. good one. <laughs> All right, uh, Oregon. Um, they they're they're gonna crush this team. Did we get anything from uh, our Oregon people? We did not. No. Um, probably because they're gonna crush this team. So it's yeah. Uh, Dakota Prukop uh, won the starting quarterback job, um, as I think most people expected. Kind of an interesting thing for me is uh, the former Travis Waller, Travis Johnson, is fourth string on their quarterback depth chart. So something must not be clicking with him because I really liked him in high school, um, but. Dakota Prukop will start this game. It's going to be interesting to see if he is anything like Vernon Adams um, in terms of the quality of his play. I can't imagine because it seems like very rarely do guys like that come out of, you know, Division One AA or whatever we call it now, FCS. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see that. I mean, they're going to beat UC Davis by 50, so it doesn't matter. But um, I'm, I'm going to be mostly watching Prukop to see if he's got what it takes. And then also that defense, um, whether they are... Uh, going to be a step up from last year under uh brady hoke i think is uh is the defensive coordinator now uh what's uh what's up with jeff Lockie, man where's he <laughs> well i think um uh, i was gonna make a bad mean joke and i'm not gonna do it was it a ryan Lockie joke? <laughs> no no it was gonna be i think um well okay i'll just say it pumping gas is a job in Oregon. <laughs> it's true because you can't pump your own yeah. gas you you can you can be employed pumping people's gas so, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say the full joke. I'm not going to associate it yeah. with our man Lockie. Dang. Um. All right. Well, it, it's just like the rent a quarterback thing again. Um, I think they're going to score points. They're going to score a lot. We don't know what the line is. They're going to probably kill them. Uh. But last year, early on, I mean, I think it was the Easter Washington game. They gave up 42 points in that one. It was like 61 42. Yeah. Um. And they end up losing Michigan State the next week. So, I, I, I don't know. I, 
what you want to watch is I think Oregon will score points no matter what. Um, but will they give up a lot of points too? Cause that kind of puts you, you know, giving up 42 early on to Eastern Washington when you lost, you know, they lost their quarterback, uh, cause he moved over, you know, Vernon Adams moved over to Oregon. But that showed you like, hey, this defense can be scored on. And they, they gave up a lot of points, uh, as you know, during the year. So we'll see. Um, but I, I think I'm going to watch the defense more than anything on this day. If you definitely want to see when a new quarterback comes in, what they're able to do. But I think they're just their scheme. They'll just score a lot of points. What does the defense do against which, you know, I don't know much about the, uh, not the anteaters, the Aggies of UC Davis, but I'm not imagining that it's, it's a team that should put up a lot of points on Oregon. If they do, that's probably not a good sign for the start of the season. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way of looking at it. If if UC Davis puts up more than like three touchdowns, and I'm talking like junk time touchdowns that Oregon's not carrying anymore, uh, then you've got a problem. Yeah. All right. Uh, go Aggies. Go Ducks. Go Grad. Go check out the Grad, man. It's a good bar. Yeah. Probably don't watch this game unless you're a big Oregon fan. Right. Uh, this is another Pac-12 network game, right? So this is actually three. They, the Southern Utah, Utah game. Yeah, um, that's right. Rutgers, Washington, and then Eastern Washington. Uh, I'm sorry, UC Davis, Oregon. And the next one we're going to talk about is also on the Pac-12 network. Washington State Cougars. All right, Saturday, primetime, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Pac-12 network. Eastern Washington going at Pullman to take on the Cougars. Um. I think you've got one from Barry Bolton on this one, don't you? I do. Uh, so Barry wrote in. He said, "There's no, there's no line on this game. No line. Another game with no line." Um, so he said, "So Cougar quarterback Luke Falk, who I mean, former walk-on, we loved watching him last year. He was great. Sure. Uh, played at a high level for a while now. Uh, in the fall, in his offensive line with two new starters, looked to have found their rhythm. The defense would like to get a little more consistent pass rush going." Uh, but they've been playing well as of late uh, in the team sessions. The most observable thing at the moment, when it comes to the Cougs, they've become over-familiar with one another's schemes, and both units would really like to hit someone else for a change. I think that's pretty common uh, in uh, in college football. But that's that's it's. I think it's a good design when you're chomping at the bit to play someone else. For sure. So just about all the position battles have been settled uh, for a while now, and everyone's roles have been established. There have been uh, far fewer questions when it comes to the starters than any of Mike Leach's previous seasons at Washington State. Plus, uh, the first Thursday night football session, so it's a weekly event where the youth takes center stage in practice, our man-on-the-ground reporting for CF.C, that stands for Cougfan.com, uh, Skylar uh, Craycraft, a former WSUDB the past two seasons, said it was clear to him that there is more young talent on hand than at any time during Leach's tenure. Add it all up, and it's a solid sign that Leach's recruiting classes are really starting to pay dividends as he enters year five at the Palouse. Falk has a deep receiving core and running backs group that will be utilized in both the run and the pass. It's so deep with uh, Jared Wicks, uh, Jamal Morrow, and James Williams that the Cougs moved Keith Harrington to wideout. Defensive end Hercules Matafa is a potential star, though the defensive line has another gear they need to reach. The linebacking play has been solid with defensive secondary, and while the second, excuse me, the defensive secondary is deep and experienced, they have yet to, they have an, man, I'm really screwing this last line up. They have an excellent shot to help the Cougs match or exceed last year's team total of 24 takeaways. So thanks, Barry, for that one. Hey, you made it, and that's all that counts, right? (laughs) 
You said that last line. I don't know. It starts screwing that up there. No, it was tough. Um, again, this is another game that should be a bloodbath. I don't think Eastern Washington has any great shakes this year. Um, Washington State could be sneaky good. I actually went and revisited my picks. I have them second in the Pac-12 after I did like all my picks. I have them, I think, winning the head-to-head with Washington and having the same conference record. Wow. I know. Just I was going through it all, and I'm like, I don't see them losing this game. I don't see them losing this game. And I think I ended up with them at like 6-3 and three in conference. Husky fans uh, are going to hate you. I know. I know. And especially after last year when I picked Washington to go like 2-10 and 10 or whatever I said. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm finding I have this like hidden hate for the Huskies. I didn't even know I had. You know they lost to Washington last year 45-10, to 10, right? Like Yeah. whatever (laughs) like that like that matters to my thinking they did they were six and three i know you you don't even think about it they were six and three in conference last year um yeah in the north i i I think they're gonna be pretty good this year i mean i I think mike leach is i mean he's a crazy man but uh good coach and um yeah i mean i I hope they don't have the same issues on special teams that they had last year because that had us in the uh, firm you know mike leach is a bad coach boat but um they uh they ended last year really good, and um, I think they could start off this year with a lot of momentum. Yeah, they beat what? They beat Miami in the Sun Bowl last year, right? Is that that? Uh, did I remember that correctly? I think so. Okay, that uh, sounds right. I think that's what it was. So yeah, they finished nine and four. Yeah. Um, so can they get over the hump and get the ten wins in a really, I mean, a really tough North? You know, it's like one of those teams you don't even think. You think about Oregon and Stanford and Washington getting a lot of hype. Washington State come in and make some noise, so they'll be uh, they'll be fun to watch. A lot of interesting storylines here in the Pac-12. Yeah, and Eastern Washington's no Portland State, so they'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was that was not nice. That was mean. That was mean. But I was trying to win points back with the Husky fans. Yeah, they they love that one. Yeah, I mean nine and four, and you lost to Portland State. I mean that's think about yeah. that. That's crazy. They barely beat uh, Rutgers on the road last year, by the way. So for the the Rutgers game that we talked about earlier. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on. The next we have USC Trojans. Probably the marquee game of the entire day. Um, USC number twenty playing Alabama in a neutral site, Arlington, Texas, AT and T Stadium. Uh, game is at five p.m. Pacific on ABC. Uh, Alabama favored by ten and a half over the Trojans. Um, what 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 are you thinking here, Ryan? What do you think? So, I mean, okay. So people have been talking about this game for quite a while. Um, obviously USC fans are happy. I mean, when the AP came out with their top programs of all time from, I think it was from like 1936, whenever they started their poll, they, it was like a mathematical thing. It wasn't a, here's the number, you know, which teams have been ranked the highest for the longest period of time and all that kind of stuff. And, and both Alabama and USC were in the top five. So like top five programs of all time, obviously. Um, facing off, but they're such in a different spot right now. You know, you're talking about the defending national champion, maybe the, the greatest college football coach of all time in Nick Saban, you could argue, you know, one of the top two or three if he's not the greatest. And you have a brand new head coach at USC. So he's never been a head coach before going against the greatest of all time. So just on paper, the coaching mismatch is about as big as you're going to get if you're talking about you know, whenever top five programs meet, you're, you're never going to see something like this. So I've kind of gone all around on this, Dave, where I was like, you know, USC is a very talented team right now. Um, you know, Alabama, there's not a lot of programs that have a whole bunch of five stars, you know, guys on their roster. 
Alabama and USC are two of those teams. And I, Alabama's not used to playing other teams. Like you'll play LSU or whatever, but most of the time when you're playing Alabama, uh, you're not, you're not lining a whole bunch of five star guys up against them. So that's something that USC can do. They're a deeper team. They're back above 80 scholarships again. Uh, but the coaching mismatch and not, and you know, Clay Helton could, you know, we don't know. He just hasn't done it. He could be the greatest coach of all time. We, we have no idea at this point. Um, but right now he, there's going to be a lot of learning pains, I think for him and the rest of this coaching staff and to, to be asked to come right out of the gate and play in Alabama, I think is a lot. And so I've kind of was under the, like, if you asked me a week ago, I would think that Alabama was going to win a close one. I'm kind of more in the camp now where I just think that this USC team could still be pretty good and, and, and lose by double digits to Alabama. So if it's a 10 and a half point spread, I kind of think right now it's a two touchdown game. Um, where it's now, but I don't think there's gonna be a lot of scoring. Um, I think, you know, like a 28 14 kind of thing, uh, with Alabama in this one, but that I've kind of changed my mind. You think about it a lot, but that's, that, that's kind of where my head's at right now, Dave. Yeah. Kind of the way I'm seeing it. Um, obviously based on what you guys have reported, you guys have been great all fall camp with USC. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be a close game through the first half. I think, um, you know, USC's talent should show during that period. I just think Alabama's going to wear the defensive line down uh, in the second half, just going to run at it constantly, constantly, constantly. And I think USC is just going to wear down. Um, I think Alabama will cover, but I think it'll be a close cover. I think they might win by two touchdowns, but I don't think they're going to, you know, win by three. Um, so I'd probably go something like 34-20. But let's just go through this real quick. So Clay Helton was named the head coach after the UCLA win, right? Yes. He then lost to Stanford, 41-22. Yes. He then lost to Wisconsin, 23-21. Correct. Then to open this year, he goes Bama, and we're both predicting a loss. Then you get a win at home against Utah State, right? You would hope, but that's not a... That's that's not a given, but let's just say you get a win at home against Utah State. So they're 1-3 now in the Clay Helton era. Then they go at number eight Stanford and at Utah back to back. Right. Six days apart. Is there, there's a not insignificant chance that Clay Helton starts his, you know, as the true UCLA head coach, not as an interim, but as the, as the named head coach, one and five. Yes. You said UCLA, he'd be the USC head coach, but yes, that would be, but that would be. It's always hard because the U, you know? (laughs) Oh yeah. Dude, when I talk about the Rams, I, I throw USC in there sometimes like crap, it's like, you know. So as the USC head coach, he might start one and five. I don't think that's, there's, it's not like a negligible percentage of, you know, th- that can happen for sure. Um, and I think the Alabama game is important for USC, um, because you need to learn from it. No matter what happens, if it's a, you win, you lose close blowout, you have to be able to learn from it and not regress. Um, because the, some bad things can happen in that game. And, uh, you could also build some momentum by playing close and, you know, there could be a moral victory in that one, but you have to build on it because the, the conference season is not going to be easy. And with you ask a new coaching staff to be able to keep this team together, no matter what, um, so you have to be ready for, for adversity and will they be able to bounce back from that? They didn't seem to do real well bouncing back from the disappointing loss in the Pac-12 championship game, going into the bowl game against Wisconsin. They just didn't look really ready for that game. They got out physical by Wisconsin. You can certainly get out physical by Alabama and Stanford and Utah 
So it's going to be up to this coaching stuff to kind of figure that out. So many variables to me, Dave, and people ask me a lot. I, I just don't know. You just don't know what to expect. When you hire someone that hasn't done the job before, you're not really sure. I mean, it could be good. It could be bad. We just don't know. So I think you're going to learn a lot through those first four games for USC. And there's certainly a path to possibility that it's a one and three start. And like you said, uh, one and five overall start for Clay Helton. Obviously not what USC fans would like to see. I, I guess insight into the mindset of uh, USC. Would he, I mean, would he be feeling, I mean, not obviously he's not on the hot seat after, after first four games of his first full season. But would there be some real pressure on him going into that ASU game? Like, how how crazy is the fan base? What are we talking about? Uh, you know, I think right now he the there was sort of a bad taste in everyone's mouth uh, following the season after you know beating UCLA was a high. Then you know it was weird timing that they named him the permanent head coach at that point, and then they lose the next two games. But I think he won some people over with a, a really strong close on signing day that with out-of-state guys that you probably didn't expect USC to get. So I, I think he was able to do that. But this recruiting class for 2017, a lot of three-star commits right now. I think you got to build some momentum in this season. Usually, you know, for USC, it's not usually about the season as much. But I think for their recruiting class, they're going to need that. And if they start losing games, I think you'll start to lose some recruits. And I think that that'll get the fans even more upset. Um, there's pressure. I think there's certainly pressure, fair or not, on Clay Helton to, to win right away. The circumstances under he was hired, a lot of people didn't really want that. They wanted to go a more established route. So if you start off one and five with a coach that, you know, a lot of USC fans didn't really want to get, but they, they, I think Clay Helton's won some of them over. How long would they stay over if he starts off, you know, that poorly? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it just, I think there would certainly be some pressure on him. I don't think he's going to get fired after the first four games or after the first season. But if it's a if it's a bad season, and especially with a kind of start like that, I think that there'll, there'll definitely be some offseason pressure. All right. So next up in our schedule, we have Arizona Wildcats. All right, Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time on Fox Sports 1, Arizona. Playing BYU in a neutral site game in Glendale, Arizona, so not particularly neutral. Uh, Arizona's favored by one and a half. Um, yeah, this is going to be interesting. We've got Jason Shear, and it's got a blurb for us on the Wildcats. Jason says, Arizona is getting ready to play BYU, and the guess is that Rich Rodriguez will name a starting quarterback Monday. It is likely to be Anu Solomon, but it would not be a surprise to see Rodriguez play both he and Brandon Dawkins. Offensively, Arizona will likely be fine no matter who the quarterback is. Nick Wilson looks like he is healthy. The wide receivers have been solid with Cam Denson moving there from corner and the addition of 6'4", Sean Poindexter. The biggest surprise on offense is likely freshman J.J. Taylor from Corona Centennial. He's been fantastic in camp, and every player we talk to raves about him. Rodriguez went as far as to say he will play this season, and he pretty much never says things like that before the season starts. Defensively, Arizona is a giant question mark. The hire of Marcel Yates has gotten good reviews in camp, but we really don't know what we are going to see. Arizona is going to be much, much more aggressive. We know that. Devontae Neal and Dane Crookshank have the corner spots locked down. Crookshank red redshirted last season, but at 6'2", he is ready for a breakout year and could be one of the better corners in the conference. Linebacker has some nice depth with Cal transfer Michael Barton, Paul McGlure, Cody Ippolito, and a few others. Arizona should be fine at linebacker, especially if it plays a 4-2-5, as is rumored. Defensive line is a major question mark. Sani Fuimayona 
It is really the only player that has played in the past and has been solid. Justin Belknap, Belknap is a walk-on who could be poised to start at defensive end after an impressive camp. The defense is just a huge question overall and makes predicting the season extremely difficult. We will have a much better feel for everything after the BYU game, as both teams are pretty evenly matched, at least on paper. So BYU is an interesting matchup um, for a defense that has question marks because Taysom Hill got named the start. I mean, Taysom Hill, you know, between now and then he might get hurt, but for now he is the starter at BYU once again in his, I think, seventh year in the program. Um, he's a real dual threat, um, kind of a fearless guy, even after all the injuries. Um, and he's going to really try to run on Arizona. Um, BYU is a tough matchup for any team, but their physicality, their, um, for lack of a better word, dirty play can, uh, play hell with some teams. I don't know if Arizona is up to the task defensively. I've got BYU winning this one outright. Um, I think they're going to take this one and I think it might be about it by about, you know, a touchdown to 10 points. Give me. The Cougs, 34, Arizona, 27. Ooh, really interesting. All right. Um, just to be a contrarian, I think I've gone along with you. Uh, I like Rich Rod. I think he's one of the better coaches. I think this could be a, a difficult year for the Wildcats, but I'm going to pick them in this one. I'm going to give, give them some confidence, get, get that first win out of the way. I'm going to take Arizona 28-27. They're going to win a close one against the Cougs. Yeah, but you also, you still have, uh, BYU covering. Oh, I do. Yeah, cause oh, wait, Arizona's only, Arizona's favored by one and a half. Well, oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I'll take BYU to cover, but Arizona win outright. That's, that's really hard to do, huh? Cause there's only one yeah, point. Spread. Yeah. The, the one and a half is really playing hell with you right now. Okay. All right. Well, that's what, that's what I'm gonna, I think it was going to be a close one. And I think Arizona, right. I, I what, just like a feeling on this one. I think Arizona's going to win this one. All right. All right. Is that cool? Yeah, that works. That works. I'm, I mean, there's been so much, like, when people talk about Arizona, a lot of people think it could be a big step backwards. I, I don't know. I just, I get a feeling that there's going to be some, some down moments for the Wildcats this year, but there'll be some, some good ones too. And some, and some wins. And I think this could be one of those good ones. It'd be a really good win, uh, for the conference coming out of the gate like that. So for we'll sure. see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. You're probably right, but you know. What are you going to do? Uh, okay. Well, one last one. We have. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> Closing with the best sound effect. Arizona State playing Northern Arizona in Tempe, 7.45 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. Uh, like with all the other games against Patsies, this one doesn't have a line. Arizona State should blow out Northern Arizona, the Lumberjacks. Um, this is actually the team, I think, of the two Arizona schools that might take the bigger step back, even though they weren't particularly good last year. I think Arizona State's not necessarily in great shape. But we have Chris Cartman to give us the real skinny. And let me just tell you, Chris Cartman has a lot to say. ASU mini-season preview. Under a week until the season opener against Northern Arizona, Todd Graham hasn't named a starting quarterback yet, but it's an open secret that sophomore Manny Wilkins will be the starter. He has not thrown a pass in college yet, so it's unclear how he'll do. He's a good athlete who has plenty of arm, but can he manage the team effectively? That's what we have to find out. The strength of the offense is at running, offense is at running back and tight end. Demario Richard and Kalen Bellage will be among the top backfields in the Pac-12. Richard was a thousand yard rusher last season. Senior tight end Cody Cole is the leading returner, pa- returning pass catcher in the league among tight ends and has added 20 pounds to improve as a blocker. At wide receiver, Nikhil Harry may start as a true freshman, and he has a bright future, but the guys who are ready to make a huge impact right now are Tim White and Cam Smith. 
White had 57 catches and eight touchdown receptions last year in his first season out of Juco, and that was with a broken hand to start the season. He should have a great season. Smith missed last year with a knee injury, but was one of the team's most productive receivers in 2014 and the best vertical threat. Sophomore Jalen Harvey is an emerging talent. ASU's offensive line is the most inexperienced in the league, with one regular starter returning, senior left tackle Evan Goodman. So that's an issue. But this is a group that with increasing talent, just young. Zach Robertson, Sam Jones, Steve Miller are, are sophomores or redshirt freshmen, but will be very good players in time. Defensively, the strength is through the middle of the defense. Senior inside linebacker and junior inside linebacker Salomo Fiso and Christian Sam are the leading returning tackle duo and solo tackle duo in the Pac-12. Fiso is on four preseason watch lists. Great run stopping. At defensive tackle, Viliami Latu and Tashan Smallwood are returning starters and very capable. Defensive end Jojo Wicker is going to be a star player. Only a sophomore, he'll probably end up among the league leaders in sacks and tackles for loss. ASU's biggest hurdle on defense by far is in the secondary. Last year, it was the last in the country in passing defense. Senior safety Laiu Mayowakayolo, <laughs> that was not good even one. close, <laughs> is a good player when healthy, but he's rarely been healthy and has a hamstring problem to start the season. Sophomore safety Armand Perry missed all of, la- of league play with an ankle injury last year, but we heavily re- relied upon on safety. Sophomore Kareem Orr led the Pac-12 last season with six interceptions as a true freshman at safety, but is moving to cornerback. The team is thin there. Special teams is a strength and could be the difference in a game or two. This is the only team in the Pac-12 with its punter and kicker, both on the preseason watch list at the respective positions in kicker Zane Gonzalez and punter Matt Hack. Gonzalez is already the program's all-time leading scorer. Tim White should be one of the best kick return men in the league, if not the nation. I'm predicting ASU ends up 7-5 and five or maybe 6-6. Six and six. Haven't decided yet. Team is one year away from competing again for the South title. Comprehensive preview from our man Carpman. That's good, um, good stuff, though. Good stuff. That was great stuff. Uh, Manny Wilkins was one of my uh, favorite guys in his class. I think it was the 2013 class. Um, he's, a, he's a talented quarterback who's, I think, still putting it together from an experience perspective, but he might end up pretty good. Brady White's, I think, the other option there if uh, Wilkins were to falter. But they've got some stuff to work out at quarterback. Um, they're going to blow out Northern Arizona. I don't think that's significant. But I'll, I'm most interested to see how the offensive line holds up in that game, if they're able to consistently open holes, if they can deal with the pass rush from you know an FCS team. That should bode at least slightly well for uh, Pac-12 play. But um, as, as Carpen said, I think bowl eligibility has got to be the minimum goal here. And then anything you would get above that this year is probably gravy. Yeah, I would agree that there, there's gravy there. It shouldn't be a, I mean, shouldn't be much of a contest. Uh, but it's funny when you go through, if you've covered recruiting in Southern California, you go through a lot of the names that Chris would mention and you're like, Oh, I saw him live. I saw, you know, there's, there's a lot of dudes and, you know, especially the guys at USC were, was recruiting or should have been recruiting, you know, Wicker from Polly, like, you know, USC really yeah. wasn't recruiting him. And I had no idea why he was getting like a sack a game or something and, uh, still doing well. Uh, Deshaun Smallwood was a USC commit for a while. He's over there. Um, you talk about, you know, Brady White. There's guys that you've seen a lot of. So it's a, it's not like there's not talent on this roster. And I, you know, I like defensively, you know, Chris said the, the strength is going to be up the middle. I mean, just scheme wise. It didn't get a little out, you know, ahead of their skis, I guess, with, with the, the, the blitzing that they do, but I like the aggressive style, you know, and I think you could force, <coughs> you're right there. Yeah. No, oh, sorry. Uh, we can force some negative plays. Uh, you can see them doing that on defense, 
But sometimes you probably have to dial it back just a little bit uh, when they're blitzing like 75% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. It, that's always just kind of something to watch. But a lot of, there's still talent on this team, Dave. You know, there's a, there's a lot of talent. So like, I could see, you know, being like a barely bowl eligible team. But could they break through and and beat a couple good teams that you don't expect? Yeah, I think they're certainly capable of doing that too. Yeah, for sure. So are you are you picking them to beat Northern Arizona? I'm going to pick them to beat Northern Arizona, yeah, by by lots. By lots. By lots and lots and lots. We just don't know what this, this spread is. All right, is. we had we had one question too, didn't we? Oh, we did. Let me uh let me pull that up here. Our buddy Nick. Um yeah. he was one of the that more happy people that we were returning. Um maybe there's a couple people that were happy that we returned uh with our little hiatus. He said, "This is Nick from Cyprus. I am back for you questions to ask." One, do you see the Pac-12 South running through Los Angeles nine out of 10 years with UCLA and Coach Mora uh, look to be solid for the foreseeable future and USC out of sanctions? Um, I mean, I think Utah could get in there. I do. I think, I think Utah wins. I think Utah wins the Pac-12 South. That's my new, uh, my new prediction. Okay. He said, I don't see any of the other four teams taking the title. From LA. And I, I do think it'll be the, either the LA teams or Utah. We, we kind of talked about that early in the show. Yep. He said, with the Pac-12 North, uh, has run the Pac-12 since the expansion. When and who do you see destroying the Pac-12 North from the Pac-12 South? Will that happen? Uh, I don't I mean, see I it think, this year. I don't see it happen this year. No, the North is back to, I think, and it's also deeper now. You know, there are four teams in the North that are all pretty good. Um, uh, I mean, the long odds are always on, you know, USC getting it together and put it because they can always they always have the best recruiting base of any team. It's just coaching is always the limiting factor there. Um, I mean, I think it's, again, one of the three U schools. It's either UCLA, Utah or USC. I think those are the three most consistent teams in the Pac-12 South. Um, so I think they're one of those three is the most likely to eventually knock off one of the North teams. Yeah, and I think it's going to have to be. At this point, I don't see any of those three teams being like playoff kind of teams. Now, you know, the talented rosters and there's potential there, but I, I just don't see it right now where you could see like a Stanford being a playoff team. So I think it would have to be a factor of one of those U schools plays better than maybe we think, um, and, and does make a run and maybe a step back from a, um, a Stanford where. They lose a couple games that may, you know, they maybe they lose to Washington State or they lose to Oregon or something like that. Um, and they're, they're not the elite power that, that would be, you know, Rose Bowl bound again, like we've seen, um, the last couple of years. So I think it kind of have to be a combination. Um, but all three of those teams, I think have the potential to do it. And, you know, if, if Whittingham does break through and win the South, I think that they, it's establishing that program as, Hey, we're a contender. We're a player too. So one of those three, but I, I, like I said, I just don't see it happening this year. Um, last but not least, how often can we expect these awesome podcasts? Fight on Ryan and David. Get ready for another loss to USC LOL. That's, uh, Nick from Cyprus. Our man, Nick. Um, I don't know. Are we doing these weekly? I think we're trying to do them weekly. I think we're going to try to, um, especially with the, the games, I think we're going to have to do that. We just have to get the schedules working, you know, doing this one, we're recording this on a Sunday. Um, I, you know, I, I think we can do that. It's, it gets kind of busy during the football season over the weekends, but I think we can kind of squeeze this in. That's the plan though. Dave. Yeah. We're going to see, we're going to, we're going to just, we're going to play it by ear. Yeah. We're going to play it. We're going to go game by game, game by game. Yes. 
That's all we can do. One game at a time. Awesome. Well, good stuff, Dave. Thought that was a good one. Yeah, that was great. That was great. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll touch base with everyone again soon. Yeah. So remember, pack12podcast.com. If you have any problems finding us on iTunes, just drop us an email at pack12podcast at gmail.com. We do have a voicemail line too. I didn't mention at the top. 641-715-3900 extension 734-972. So leave us a voicemail. We'll like, we'll play it. Say hello. Do it the next podcast. We'll try to do it next week after this. Okay. So I'll be traveling on Sunday. We'll, we'll figure it out, but I'll be coming we'll back from Dallas. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. but lots of great games. So enjoy it. Hope you get the Pac-12 network. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, but thanks Dave for coming on, talking some yeah. Pac-12. This was great. Yeah. It was wonderful. It was uh, wonderful. Awesome. All right. That's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. We are the podcast of champions. Thank you so much for tuning in.